Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Jay Anelli. I'm Lorelai Weissel-Labrizzi. I'm Brian Dawes. I'm Chris Delano. And I'm Carrie Thomas. And we have a special 200th episode spectacular for you all today, where we're, we're just doing a mailbag. It's, it's, <laughs> it's super thrilling, though. It's the most exciting mailbag ever, because we hit 200 episodes. That's a lot of episodes. I gotta say, time is fucked up and evil. I mean, that's one way to put it. Uh, I think time is fake, because apparently uh, this podcast has been going on for like four years but it only feels like two. It's like two years have just not existed. Like we've just spent two years trapped in some sort of bubble. Yeah. Hell. Arjun has realized time is fake because it's summertime again and he keeps getting mad. He has to go to bed when there's still light outside. He's like, but there's sun. There's equal sun and equal night. That's how it works. I'm like, no, buddy. I'm sorry. It's not how it works. I mean, it certainly felt like summer out today. Holy Christ. Mm, mm-hmm. It's like 85. I'm sorry, it's April 14th. Yeah, and it was like 30 degrees earlier in the week. Where's spring? This is this is for those of you who live in the very specific subset of listeners who live in the southern Pennsylvania, northern Maryland <laughs> region. Okay, I'm sure the broader East Coast had similar things, okay? We, we went straight from 30 to 60 over the course of two days, so. I, uh, yeah. I didn't go outside today, so I don't know what it's yeah, like. Um, <laughs> we should probably dive into questions. Well, first right? of all, you mentioned that it's April 14th, and I do just want to say a quick congratulations to Jay and his lovely wife, Garima, for, uh, for uh, what is it, ninth wedding anniversary today? No- oh my god, yeah, I'm old. Uh, so, nine years married and not we were dating for nine years before we got married so we've been together for like 18 years and at 18 years you can do things like she can she knows she has notes to do this evening (laughs) (laughs) i'm doing the podcast this evening and we're we're gonna do it for when neither of us have anything to do next week uh which is also arjun's spring break so we're gonna have a good little vacation with the the buddy are you taking him down to cancun what you taking him down to cancun see the girls Actually, I'm going to take a... F- it would be very cishead of you, and I does not approve, uh, just so you know. Uh, I'm, I'm actually taking him to Legoland, the one that opened up in New York. There's one in New York now? Yeah, there's one in New York. Anyway. It, it, it opened last year. I, yeah. I was in Legoland Anaheim the year it opened, and it was like the only Legoland in the world, so... Hmm. Hipster. Uh, <laughs> I've been... Hey, hey, hey. I've been to the Denmark Legoland. So who cares? OG. <laughs> all right, all right, Jay. You have to make sure that Arjun doesn't listen to this episode because it's going to spoil the surprise. Oh, so God, yeah, yeah just just loud. make sure he doesn't Shit. he doesn't listen. Um, I just wanted to say Maybe. thank you. We to, might take him to your wife, Jay, because we couldn't do this podcast without you, and uh, your wife is probably the reason why you're alive. So yeah, that's pretty that's pretty pretty accurate. But uh, let's get started then. Oh, wait, no, yeah. hold on. Oh, okay. just real quick. GJ, how come your mom lets you have two anniversaries? There we go. I got the meme out of my system. Oh, that's just because it was nine and nine. It was a cute symmetry there. You know. Uh, and w- when you've been dating for a long time, you feel like you have to include the the dating time in there because people be like i've been married for 10 years yeah and you knew you dated for like six months before that all right let's uh, simmer down (laughs) down. um all right (laughs) all right sets are weird let's just ask questions 
All right. So let's move on to our first question from David A. Schultz. How was Yogmoth able to wield so much power outside of Phyrexia without being a planeswalker? For example, how did he create wrath and cause the wrathy overlay of Dominaria? And how was he able to manifest his powers on wrath and later Dominaria? I want to be clear. It means cishet monogamous because like <laughs> y'all y'all talk about very specific experiences here. We are um, talking about like, Yogmoth now, I think. Yeah, stupid sexy Yogmoth. <laughs> I don't think Yawkmoth was cis or het, actually, personally speaking. Um, but that's neither here nor there. I don't know. It felt like he was spitting game at Rubik all the time. But anyway. He is like if an incel became... Uh, god? Like, got the power of a god. Yeah. That is what Yawkmoth is. He's, he's just a, a big ol' incel. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, how was he able to do that? There are a lot of theories for that. Basically, he was in like a created plane and he sat in this hub where lots of power channeled through him. And I almost want to say he became like maybe not a world soul Uh-oh. specifically, but he was kind <laughs> of he was he was kind of like that that kind of thing. He was like the nexus of power for Phyrexia that already existed there. We are one um, question in and Jay has already said world soul. Yeah, that's X. exactly. <laughs> we are doomed. Yep. <laughs> Here, yep, yep. Y'all, y'all, y'all gonna sit here and listen. No, I mean, really. All right, so Jay, confirm or deny the entity inside Davriel Kane's head is the Phyrexian entity. <laughs> deny. <laughs> deny. No, but it might be like a similar kind of thing where he's got that kind of power. Anyway, how did he create Wrath? So there's actually an old school fan theory that he didn't create Wrath, that um, Lashrak created Wrath, because in very, very old lore... Lashrak gets imprisoned on Phyrexia. This is before Phyrexia as we know it was a thing. But yeah, that is a, like a old, old school kind of thing. Um, but basically, he was just really powerful. He had like the power of this whole... Well, he was not an old walker. Like the old walker's power channeled through him. Kind of like Sarah's realm, the power stone, contains like just a massive amount of power. Imagine that he was like the Phyrexia nexus of all that power. So it reminds me a lot of um, the end of Oath of the Gatewatch when uh, Zendikar's, all Zendikar's ley lines get channeled through Chandra and she's able to incinerate two outer gods. Um, yeah. It's like that, mm-hmm. but constantly. And you're like yeah. fully in control of it. For millennia. Just how yes. you become a death cloud. And yeah. Exactly. Um, I, I do want to, there is a part of the question, uh, how the, the, uh, how the Rathi overlay happened because it was made of a substance called flowstone, which was specifically had the magical property of being able to slip through planes. So like they kind of, they kind of, they kind of just cut the Gordian knot and said, this works because we designed a specific magical substance that lets this work. Yeah, that's, that's really all it is. And we should note wrath, uh, became bigger, the more flowstone they made mm-hmm. their whole thing of why the, why they're waiting on the invasion is they're waiting to make enough to be able to uh, overlay their entire army onto Dominaria. Uh, so our next question is from uh, Malte Russo. Uh, do you think slivers can communicate between planes with the hive mother? Absolutely not. Uh, and I'll tell you why. It's because they went extinct on Dominaria. Uh, if slivers, if the sliver hive mind could penetrate the blind eternities, there is literally an indestructible sliver on Chandelar that would have saved them from the Urborg volcano that they were transplanted into. Uh, but it didn't. They 
got incinerated and went extinct on Dominaria. And, and so there, there's no cross-pollination of those powers. So uh, that's like foolproof evidence that, uh, you know, nothing of that sort happened. They went um, extinct, but they're back. Well, yeah, that's that's thanks to our good friend science. The Tide Laboratory. And, and, our, and our good friend ignoring ethics. More like Rip Tide <laughs> Laboratory, because Rip. <laughs> all right. Okay. Um, so these first questions, by the way, these are all from Twitter users. Uh, we have, uh, so that was at Malta Russo. And this is, uh, a, the next question is uh, at Spreewald Fuchs. Uh, is Nissa back in the Gatewatch? Uh, no. All right. Moving yes, on. Yes, she is. She, she is. Nissa's in the Gatewatch. Um, I'm sorry. Where does that, where is that in the story? That is in War of the Spark Ravnica. Mm, was it? I thought it was in Forsaken, and I was going to ignore it. <laughs> no, it happens at the end of War of the Spark Ravnica. Trust me, I uh, had to dig through this when I was writing uh, Zendikar Rising, uh, and I was like, I don't remember if she's back or not, and I had to like read through like a whole bunch of chapters in War of the Spark, and it was there's there's one line, uh, there's a single line that says she like retook her oath, and I'm just like, great, thanks. That's, no. Ugh. yeah. I was I was really hoping that was Forsaken and I could ignore it because it just doesn't feel like she's back in the Gatewatch. The Gatewatch has been very loose uh, and, um, you know, not all the members are doing things at the same time. They've been a lot more, uh, they've been a lot less Avengers Assemble and a lot more the way the Justice League uh, functions when they have the big watchtower in orbit above Earth and there's like a hundred people in the Justice League and you only need a couple people permission and uh, yeah. It is very hard to remember that they exist without some kind of gathering point episode where you get to see them all interact with each other which we haven't had in three years, four years, <laughs> quite a bit so I mean, people people said they were sick of the Gatewatch. Three yeah. of them got together on Innistrad. Yeah, Island came to their headquarters. We no, I was just gonna say we had we had a mini Gatewatch gathering. Yeah, on Innistrad. And that was well, uh, it's almost like we're gonna go back to Dominaria soon, and there's a lot That's of people true. going back to Dominaria, so we'll see. But uh, I guess the official answer to is Nissa back in the Gatewatch is yes. The Chris answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let's uh let's keep on moving we have we've gone through three questions we've got a lot more right. so the next one is from grant alford 1818 that's 818 by the way 818 yeah okay grant alford 818 it's been a while since i've read listen reading isn't my strong suit it's been a while since i've read the war of the spark novel but at the end ugin carries a de-sparked bolus to another plane how does ugin have the ability to carry another being or is it that planeswalkers are able to bring people with them, but they won't survive the trip? Uh, planeswalkers cannot just randomly grab somebody and teleport them into the blind eternities. In most cases, there are always exceptions. Sometimes. Um, but basically the answer here is Bolas as an elder dragon has like uh, resistance to the blind eternities. And the idea at the time is that Bolus's power was draining out of him, like as Ugin grabbed him and took him. So there was like vestiges left, kind of like it's the same kind of deal with like how Karn flung himself to Mirrodin at the end of the Time Spiral novels. Are the I'm not even going to make the joke about him having two sparks. <laughs> no, please, we don't have time <sighs> for that. Um, 
But basically, like, the power isn't on or off. It was, like, draining from him. And I know this because, like, this was a continuity thing that we went back and forth on. For, for He was also heavily damaged upon arrival, so... Yeah, so he was he was messed up. Like, if, if he had tried to do it a little while later, it might have not have worked, or it might have killed Bolas. It's, it's also just like a, hey, Planeswalker Spark only gives you the ability to walk the planes. Your magical power and potential is still contingent on who you are as an individual. And Ugin and Bolas are friggin' elder dragons. And uh, they are some of the most powerful beings to ever exist. And uh, they get to fudge this one because they're just in a different class of mage, I guess. Also worth noting, this too happened at the end of one of the War of the Spark novels. So it's kind of in a gray area for Chris Lore. <laughs> it, uh, it may or may not have happened. <laughs> so our our next one is okay, from Hull. Hold on. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> it had to happen because Prison Realm was one of our preview cards. Uh, I was not on the show at that time, so it was not one of my Jesus. preview cards. <laughs> Hull, Hull Cambria says, uh, do we know if the symbol on Capuchin Standard is actually the Capuchin Family Crest? It is, or at least it's a version of it. The Capuchin Family Crest is a proud tower with seven windows, which is part of that design. For uh, the, the seven houses established by Torsten von Ursus. Okay, so uh, our, our next question is from Finn Finn Watch on Twitter. Uh, you're forced to create a new five members of the Gatewatch. First of all, who is forcing me? Never mind. You're forced to create a new five members of the Gatewatch that consists of planeswalkers that were not in the OG5. Who do you choose? Okay, I've done a lot of thinking about this. Um, here are my answers. I'm not including anyone who's in the current Gatewatch. That is a, that is a big thing here. Uh, so first of all, for our white planeswalker... Teo, right? He's got like this whole like shield magic thing. Uh, for blue, Mu Yan Ling, who I don't think is, you know, involved with the Gatewatch. She fought in the thing, but she's really cool. Uh, for black, Davriel Kane. He gets the sort of Liliana anti-hero-ness. Uh, for red, I'm going with Sarkon. I think the red planeswalker should be uh, should be dragon-based. And then uh, for uh, for green, obviously Vivian Reed. There we go. That's a perfect Gatewatch. They would not get along at all. That's yeah. <laughs> You're missing a critical component of this question, which is that Finn Finn Watch did not ask us to cycle the characters. So my five are Koth, Elspeth, Ajani, Karn, Tafiri, and that is an easy five who would all relatively well work together and also uh, give people who are tired of the current Gatewatch fresh faces. I like that one. I was just planning for, yeah, I was just planning for maximum disaster here. I wasn't actually thinking about, like, what would be a reasonable gatewatch. <laughs> See, because when you get down to, like, the monocolored characters, you get, like, mono black, and you're, like, Sarka, or you have Soren, you have Davriel, you have, like, dead planeswalkers. <laughs> <laughs> no, then, you know who's the hardest is? Mono blue. Who, who, who other than Jace do you have to pick for mono blue? Yeah, mono blue, mono green, like... Mono white and mono red, theoretically, you have some good options that aren't, like, hazardous to other people, but then you start getting into, like, the motivations questionable areas with all the three other colors, so, yeah. I definitely considered, a, a, a what's-his-face, Tybalt for a hot second, just for, just for fun, but uh, we should move on. 
<laughs> Our next question is from uh, Casual Man 80. Uh, who is the tallest planeswalker? This is a trick question. The answer is the demonic Leviathan planeswalker, Nicol Bolas. <laughs> so if, if you're talking like non-elder dragons, non-demon Leviathans, it's actually Garrick. Is he taller than Karn? I thought I was under the impression that he, he and Karn were both about eight feet tall. They're, they are in the seven to eight feet range. Also, Ren uh, is taller than that. Oh, that's wait, true. Is, is, in the wait, tree. Wait, in yeah, the tree. Yeah. Ren herself is not. Okay. I think the tree... Six, they're a symbiotic life form. You count the tree. Six and seven. All right, all right, all right. Next question is, that's by, is from at Keith Egan. Who is the goodest boy in magic? I'm going to say Calvin. Uh, he's literally Calvin the, Met, the MTG dog on Twitter. <laughs> no, for real though, it's... Uh, me personally, I'm going to say it's Yoshimaru. Uh, we just met him, but uh, I would die for him. He, he, he sat on that throne waiting for the Wanderer to come back. And uh, yeah, that's, that's my vote. Uh, I just want to chime in and say, uh, actually, it's uh, an answer. The, my answer to this question will come up in two questions. So uh, the next question is from Lindsay K. Wardle. Uh, Wardle. Uh, how many instances are there of proven time travel in magic? Um, more than there <laughs> should be. And probably uh, that's the answer. Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> There are constant instances of uh, slow time travel forward. (laughs) I mean, there's like, I'm ignoring the rift crisis uh, because that's not time travel. That's time collapsing. And that's not the same. There's like three major ones. Yeah. Talarian Academy. Yeah, there's there's Karn goes back in time. Karn going back in time at Talarian Academy. Uh, There's Sarkin going back in time. Uh, for Tarkir, and I just blanked on what the other one was because uh, I'm dumb. I, I will say there's also a story where Joyra creates a closed time loop to defeat uh, an opponent she has to fight like the day before she actually gets in the fight. But that's like a whole thing too. That's a side story that was from a while ago. Are you counting clock spinning? Next, All right, next question. <laughs> next question. <laughs> Because this is All a right. good one. This, this next question is my answer to the question of who the goodest boy in magic is. Uh, from MTG writer and Hugo Award nominee for MTG writing, uh, Seanan McGuire asked, why is Tyvar the best planeswalker? Because he's the goodest boy. That's fair. Also, he's just amazing. <laughs> I love Tyvar so Me much. Me too, and I want more of him. Yeah, so my answer to this question, like... Uh, the, the selfish answer is, uh, because I wrote him, uh, <laughs> um, he's delightful to write. Uh, the real answer though, uh, is, is, is because you, Seanan, hype him up constantly and there is nothing that makes Tyvar more excited and strive to be the greatest hero he can be than adoring fans. That's <laughs> what it's about for him. The celebrity, the legacy. So you, Sean and Maguire are what make Tyvar the best planeswalker. Thank you. Yeah. He thanks you. I mean, of all the planeswalkers, Tyvar is the only one to have a Sean and Maguire novel dedicated to them. Mm-hmm. That's also true. That's just a true fact. So our next question, uh, this one goes into the realm of speculation, which means there's two people on this cast who just cannot answer it. Uh, from Alexi Sargent on Twitter so whose voice did Luca hear in the Ozolith? Vivian acts like she suspects who it could be, but we've got no further mentions of it after the Ikoria story. Um, I don't know. That's the answer. Uh, it's very still up in the air. Uh, I think there are a couple of good 
theories, and maybe Carrie can back me up on this. One of them, which I sort of agreed with at the time, was uh, Oko, just because it seems like the kind of thing Oko would have done. But it's, I didn't I put the the image, the gif of the person shrugging here, going, "I guess it could be anyone. You could just tell me anyone." Yeah, it, to me, it was either Oko or Tezzeret. Yeah, and it doesn't seem to have had much. Like, obviously, the direction it had in the story was pertinent to the story, but the direction to the larger multiversal arc hasn't been proven yet, so I don't necessarily see uh, what exactly was going on. If you do look in the Ozolith, like, the full art of the card, you can see at the very top it's wearing a little, little cloak at the very top. That's called the Mantle of Leshrac. And it's a, it's a special <laughs> artifact that gets charged from the power of other artifacts that Vashvroga steals from other planes. So, could be Lushrak. That's all I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> why would you reopen that wound? Magic <laughs> Legends, uh, rest in peace. What, what I actually am going to weigh on and yeah, weigh in on this, because it's been a couple of years since Ikoria, so I think it's safe to say. I don't actually know. Yeah. So chew on that. It's it's um, a it's a mystery that's kind of disappointing in the sense that when it is revealed, it'll just be like, okay, I guess that's it for the people who do know who it is, and then uh, oh, there was a voice inside the Ozolith for everybody else who skipped that story because <laughs> it was just a lower peakin magic story readership. Here here's the other thing though is that it could not to just drag this on, it could be someone from Vivian's past that we haven't met yet. And this is just setting up that opportunity for sometime in the future a Vivian-centered story to involve this character from her past. Uh, it may not be anyone we know. It could be a brand new character. And so for that reason, I'm like, who knows? And one day we'll find out and maybe it'll be a satisfying reveal or maybe it's just another plot hook for something in the future. But uh, it worked in the story. It's a good novella. You should read it if you haven't. Sundered Bond, Django Wexler. It's good stuff. Uh, next question is from, uh, at Brett Darling six. What happens to people that aren't native to Lorwyn when the Aurora hits? Uh, my answer to this is, Hey, I wonder why there were no planeswalkers in the Lorwyn story. Um, <laughs> what do you mean? Jace was there. <laughs> I'm getting you fired. That is false information. That is not I'm true. I like how You're we just antagonize be- each other with like barely <laughs> canon, maybe questionable ideas constantly. Uh, it is the kind of lore-based combat that only we can engage in. It's awful. <laughs> there are going to be people listening to this episode who are going to have no clue what's going on. <laughs> yeah, so basically there's like an early magic like flavor thing that's like... Jace sort of visits Lorwyn. He's like describing Lorwyn, but he it, it's a whole thing. Just just don't worry about it. He didn't really go. Uh, we literally the only there are two two single instances of planeswalkers visiting Lorwyn that we know about, and it's Nissa when she's like twenty, uh, and just sparked, and the she is there for the Aurora and then leaves before it sweeps her up. So we don't know. And we know Ugin was there at some point in the mytho histories. Uh, and all we know is that he visited, you know, nothing else. So we straight up do not know. I think uh, the only interesting answer is that it does corrupt you in some way or change you. It's, or- it's implied to like, it, it was a threat to Nyssa in the story. So if, like, it happened and then nothing happened and Uno was just like, oh, oopsie, like, it wouldn't have been 
<laughs> it's interesting. To be fair, that was also the point of Nissa's life where she was a huge coward because everything was trying to murder her. Um, <laughs> and our next question is, oh, I'm really sorry. Joe uh, Oulette? O-U-E-Oulette? Three. I'll just go with Oulette. Uh, question is, do you think Gix could still be alive? Woke up somewhere after getting blown through that portal? If you think Gix was still alive, where the hell was he for his lord and savior's invasion in Dominaria? That dude's dead. Maybe he got pushed past oh, it. Belzenlock was... was I'm confused. <laughs> yeah, there was no Gix, there's only Belzenlock. Yeah, like... That's canon. There, there was- it's on magic cards, that's canon. Who's Gix? Because we all know magic cards never lie to us. I quit. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd be fun, but it'd be such a weird tie-in to just be like, okay, and here he is. Like, okay, he's, he's around. It makes zero narrative sense for him or thematic sense for him to be alive. It was weird for them to throw him through a portal in the first place. I mean, he already barely survived the Brothers War, like... He, he was dead at the end of Planeswalker, like obliterated from existence dead. So uh, you're saying that we could potentially get a Gix card in Brothers War. I'm saying he was it the at the Brothers War. I'm not going <laughs> to say a, a darn thing past that. <laughs> I'm, I'm at the Urza War. I'm at the Mishra War. I'm at the combination Urza War, Mishra War. <laughs> Brothers oh War. Always, I always have like a slight panic attack, and then I realize, right? wait, the story's been out there for like twenty years. Like this right? is a detail people know. Yeah, you, you have not. So I've been working on magic for over four years now, and it's terrifying having worked on this set and people being like, "Wow, we might get a Gix card. Do you think we'll get a Gix card, Lorelai?" And I'm like, "Well, I can't actually tell you if we're gonna get a Gix card or not, but I can tell you that it's absolute verifiable, published in a novel canon that Gix is all over this event." And, like, you'll see at the end of this year what is in the set. Uh, frankly, the set rocks. Um, yeah, it's got the Might Stone and the Weak Stone, right? I can't wait to see <laughs> Belzenbach's card. <laughs> what if he was just there? Belzenbach <laughs> <laughs> shows up in the Brothers' War. And he, was, like, he wasn't lying, though. <laughs> All right, we have we have to move on. Okay. Uh, next question is from Ecto Cooler Ranch on Twitter. If you could make a magic product covering any existing story that wasn't representing a set (parentheses like the Harper Prism novels), uh, what would you pitch? Uh, Agents of Artifice, because because that's it. But what would the product be? The question is if you can make a magic product. Oh, it doesn't matter. Full standard set story. Full standard set with sixteen commander decks. Um. Every single character named in that novel, it, it legitimately is just my favorite magic novel. And I think probably the one of the only good stabs at magic storytelling. I think like even if you went for like the next supposedly highest rated story, which after the Brothers War, of course, you get like Arena for things that people clamor with as being the best novel. Arena just doesn't have that many characters. And I mean, we, we literally just got our just as in summer of last year, almost a year ago, got our Garth one eye card. Yeah, so like, but it's just like there aren't many like notable characters that people right. walk away from that novel knowing. So so this is the thing. And this is why I put my name on this question, because the product already exists. It's the Modern Horizons line. Last year, uh, uncarded stories uh, we we got from the Dak and Blackblade comic. We have a new Dak and card. We have a Gaia drone to Hada Planeswalker. Like, 
I'm still not over the fact that we have a Gaiadrone Dahada Planeswalker card. Uh, we have a Piru Planeswalker card. We have a card for Asmarina, Mardika, Dyson, Akuldakar. Or, not Planeswalker, a creature <laughs> I'm just card. Kidding. I know, I know what you meant. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, and so, like, I, I love, you know, I never shut the hell up about Distant Planes. Uh, we have an Asmarina, Mardika, Dyson, Akuldakar card. Like, and, and a couple other cards from the Chef Surprise store. Modern Horizons is doing the thing. We have Garth One Eye. We just like we got the Sarah Planeswalker in MH1. Uh MH1, we also had a, a line from Wayfarer directly printed on a card. Uh we had a, a line paraphrased from Teversot from the Ice Age comics. Uh Commander Legends did actually also touch on this. We did get our uh Glacian and Rebecca from the Thran novel. Uh, we did get our Jared Carthalian um, uh, legendary creature card. Uh, and so, like, these these sets for enfranchised players are doing this already. I would love to see... So, like, in, in MH1, it was like, hey, we have an opportunity to do a Sarah card. And so we did a Sarah card. Uh, MH2 was like, hey, we can make, like, the Dak and Blackblade story a larger theme in the set and have it take up, you know, some serious flavor real estate. I would love to see Modern Horizons sets uh, continue to do that. Uh, I would I would love to see uh, a specific... Yeah, do you hear that, Ethan? <laughs> Ethan. <laughs> Just checking if you, you heard that one. I'm sorry, okay. but it's like, we're like literally preaching to the <laughs> choir here. Ethan has been trying to get these things to sets forever, and we appreciate that about him. Uh, he, Ethan was literally on the creative texting for Modern Horizons 1 with me, um, uh, and is responsible for some of the deep cuts in that set. So, like, that kind of thing is great, and I would love, like, because, like, Commander Dex did some of this to... Uh, at points, um, I, I will. I, I do have one thing. I do have one thing to say. I want. I would want a set for the Brandon Sanderson novella, Children of the Nameless. But that's that's it. Yeah, we got a little bit of that with. Um, we got one of the, the demons in arena. arena. That that yeah. that's an arena. I, I, I can't play with that in paper. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I I do want to say just both like two of the Carrie and Lorelai. You both kind of dodged the answer here. Uh, if we're going to have a product that's based off of a story that's not depicted in the cards, uh, we should get a set based around the novella Sundered Bond, uh, because the events no. of Sundered Bond are not depicted in the cards. You know what? Yeah. Moving, moving on. <laughs> so moving, moving on to our... Like... Uh, these are... Geez. these are we, We're now going to move into the Discord question slot. So our Discord questions. All right. Uh, so these these questions all came from uh, people on the Vorthos Cast Discord, which we'll talk about how you can get in there too later. Uh, but our first question, as, as a quick as a quick side note, <sighs> we do actually like each other. I know we're irritating <laughs> the crap out of each other in this episode, but it's out of love. I'm sorry, Lorelai. Go ahead. Speak uh, for yourself. First question is from Heavenly Evan, uh, and the question is, "What's a podcast?" And my answer is, "A miserable pile of secrets." It is yes. the uh, it is the term for a large gathering, uh, traditionally of white men. But uh, we kind of we mix things up here. <laughs> hey, um, I fixed that. <laughs> Rest y'all need to step up. Except but Brian, saying, I guess. What? Um, <laughs> uh, so I guess I guess this is mostly just directed at Jay and Chris. Oh yeah, yeah. Not much no, I can I, do. I tried it. Like I'm. It, it didn't matter that I was like the token white kid with my friends growing up. I'm still the whitest white guy to ever. God, you really are. It's 
It's painful, I know, and I apologize. It's embarrassing, honestly. Uh, <laughs> but you know, good for you. You rock it. <laughs> so, uh, thank you. Evan submits that question every time we have a mailbag episode. So, uh, I appreciate the consistency. Um, our next question is from uh, Gudako, which is a uh, what type of bird person would you be? Uh, so, if I am an existing one that has appeared in magic art, I got super lucky with Streets of New Capenna because I am definitely one of those like sort of corvid looking bird people that we have on on New Capenna. Yeah, we have a magpie. Yeah, I'm like a magpie person, I think. Um, before that, I would have probably have had to go with like, I don't know, one of the like crane bird people from Amonkhet. Those were real cool. Those those avens I liked a lot. I think they were the, the ibis. Yeah, yeah, the, the ibis. Yeah, ibis. 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 I don't know how to say words. You we're going to cover that later, Jay. Way. It's fine. <laughs> now, I've always loved peregrine falcons, so I'd want to be one of those avian kind of people who just dove down, whack people in the head, and kill them because I dove so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing! I, don't, I love it, Brian. I'm trying to remember if we got a peregrine falcon specifically avian in either this set or one of the Ravnica sets. Trying to remember if we have a pigeon even in the set either. I will say that I would also lean towards corvids, like you know, like a a crow or a raven or something like that. I might even be, you know, like a raven man kind of thing. Oh wow! Anyway, our next question is. (laughs) Um, our next question is by LB Elbolt one eighty seven on the Discord. If Karn intends to use a Silex Blast on new Phyrexia and succeeds, wouldn't that just cause new temporal risks? And I would say, me personally, I think that knowing what it does, he would be able to sculpt the magic a little bit better than Urzadeh, who at the time didn't really have any kind of context to how powerful and how far-reaching the effects would be. Um, but you never know. Um, also, Mirrodin is a plane of his own construction, so with that additional knowledge he would be able to shape the blast in a way to where he would be able to limit its scope um, to hopefully not damage the rest of the multiverse. But, you know, like I said, it's my personal theory and Jay probably won't answer, but who knows? Well, I mean, I can answer like what the Silex might do. We, we've we seen like it might do something like we see in the Brothers War. The time rifts themselves uh were the co- were caused by like millennia of repeated events like that not just the silex blast uh but there's a lot of other damage that could happen uh it plunged dominaria into an ice age it fractured 12 planes off from the rest of the multiverse uh that were just inaccessible so there there are you know risks i mean my metaphysical addition to this question and response is that at the time that Silex went off, Dominario was still the nexus of the multiverse. There was a metaphysical significance to the plane, and which is why all the damage there was extra catastrophic. So uh, because of the, the way the mending affected the blind eternities and the way planes are connected to each other, it might just be better insulated against this kind of disaster happening again uh, on a, on a multi- multiverse scale. It would be catastrophic for the plane itself. Yeah, yeah, it would be really bad for New Phyrexia. It'd be a shame if that happened to them. Um, so, uh, yeah, let's just move on before I say anything else that might upset Brian. <laughs> Not on the side of the Phyrexians, I promise you. Yeah. Uh, so the next one is from Seal. Is that how you say it, Seal? Or is, 
Uh, okay. Well, uh, was it Ashiok's magic or Theros that made Shadow Spear real? What happened to it? Does Elspeth just not like goth weaponry? So what I will say, it was a combination uh, of Ashiok's magic and like dream stuff being more real on Theros than elsewhere. Uh, and that magic probably just ran out. You know, it was more real for a while, but... This is just hard because there's like no novella with that story. God, if only someone on the cast had read it. <laughs> I can't, I, I can't, like, I'd have to go get permission to tell you like what happens in the novella. It's not terribly more than the the summary, but there are like more details to things. Um, yeah. You're, you, what you just said is going to like upset everyone listening, right? It was, now. it was, it was temporary. It, it was, it was, it was temporary. Uh, the nightmare stuff faded. Uh, I, I, I have my name on this question because I want to address the does Elspeth just not like Gothrill weaponry part. And that's correct. Elspeth is a heckin prep and a heckin jock. And uh, <laughs> that's not the quadrant that Goths are in. Um, so she does not respect our craft, apparently. No, but we do need to find her a goth girlfriend. The balance Liliana has, has previous relationship experience. With goody two shoes planeswalkers, so I think they'd be a good couple. Oh my god! Yeah, I've never thought about shipping them, but honestly, I can see that. I just said that out of my ass. Please don't turn that into an OTP. <laughs> <or anything. laughs> uh, you're too late. You're too late. Elspeth Eliana, it's already on top of my list. So our next one is from Warlock Carrie. Oh, I know that Carrie folk, Carrie person. Why uh, did I not think about asking a question? God, I'm stupid. I had the same thought when I saw this question. Yeah, I know, I know. In the SNC story, there seems to have been a conscious effort to only refer to Ob by his full name, Ob Nixilis. Any insight as to why? Gosh, I wonder if we had someone on this cast who could answer this question. Because um, Ob by itself often felt a little weird in the <laughs> <Yeah>. story. <laughs> like, I, it was, they don't say his name often enough. For it to have been overly, it's not like, oh, Obnixilis. Oh, you mean Obnix? Like, it's not too bad, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, a big thing is Elspeth didn't know he existed before this, and Vivian only knew him a little bit in passing from War of the Spark. So, like. Now, I would have pulled, I did not, I, I will not say I specifically said this, but I would have pulled for, like, Mr. Nic Nixilis in this setting <laughs> and stuff like that. That would have been great. Old St. Nixilis. Old, oh my god. Alright, our next question comes from Ellerty, and uh, that is, what's up with the Broker Doomsday Prophecy? Is it just outdated info from when they actually needed the Halo to keep the Phyrexians at bay? And... Hashtag redacted. I think really the only way to answer this is, uh, why are you trusting lawyers about anything in the first place? Yeah, I have nothing to add to that. Uh, so, moving on to Xanthir... How did Jay pronounce a certain word before the SNC video? So the word the word is cacophony. So Kit Kanto's Cabaretti Cacophony was my own personal hell during <laughs> the SNC video. Kit Kanto's Cabaretti Cacophony. Come on, it's easy. I must have screwed that up like a couple dozen times. <laughs> <laughs> so I I said cacophony. Like I was like, what? I've I, I've never said that word out loud to another human being. I'm pretty sure I've said cacophony on this podcast to describe the thing Ashiok creates. So I messed up the last name. I said Kit Kanto, like the region in Japan or Pokemon. Um, and I said so. I said Kit Kanto's Cabaretti Cacophony, 
and trying to get all those elements correct was just, oh my God. <laughs> I, I, I told them afterwards, like, you know, none of you actually asked me if I've said words like this out loud to another human being before you, <laughs> hired, before you hired me to film this video. God, I was hoping you'd said it cacophony. Cacopho- no, I was not. I was not. I'm not. I'm not that bad. Allegedly. <laughs> Next question is from David. Uh, which plane that hasn't had a full set dedicated to it would you like us to visit? My answer is very short. Regatha. Mm. Well, for a sec, I thought you were going to take mine. I was scared. Uh, my answer is Chandelar. Because uh, mm-hmm. corsets don't count because they're not actually dedicated to Chandelar. Uh, they have generic Chandelar cards on them, but I, w- I would like a regular premiere set with magic story on chandelar Uh, i think chandelar is a neat plane and i would like to see it explored more i would chime in with fiora because like fiora has had two full sets having 50 cards in a 200 card set like this even with two sets it doesn't have a full card sets worth of cards i want to go back to marcadia yeah actually i would love a modern take on marcadia i've thought about that quite what a bit plane before. that hasn't had a full set it had a full set yeah to it. It, it doesn't count if it's not in the Arcadia mask era. is so bad <laughs> it, it shouldn't count now you're just adding <laughs> we are creating it, some one, interesting lore 100% like 100 <laughs> percent counts so so Chris lore doesn't include anything that happened at the end of War of the Spark Ravnica <laughs> or the entire novel Forsaken. And Carrie lore only starts at the 8th edition frame. <laughs> yes! Yes! <laughs> so, our next question is from Atomic Alchemical. New Capenna is a very dense city with limited green space. Where does the food come from? Magic. Right. I would like to, well, the answer is basically yes. There's rooftop gardens. There's an entire family of nature druids that grow stuff. There is a eternally temperate climate that's good for growing year round. Uh, They have, there's even a card that shows them with miniaturized animals, which seems very convenient for raising a bunch of cattle and then bring it back to size when you need to slaughter it. Nugget sized animals. Like an actual chicken nugget sized chicken. Like how amazing is that? Jaya Ballard showed up here once and was like, that's a lot of nuggets. And that's where that card comes from, chicken egg. So what I will also add to this is, why does everyone always ask about food? It's important. This is an attack on anybody. I've noticed, like, keeping track of where the food comes from is like a world building thing that comes from, like, D&D world building back in the day. Like, your world isn't realistic if we can't figure out food. But they never ask about any of the other things that's required to sustain a population at, at scale. No one's asked me, does Nucapenna fluoridate their water? What's dental health like? Do they look, look, at, look at how amazing all these people look. Do they have a strong, robust public health program for all the STIs that I'm sure are getting spread Jesus. throughout the city? <laughs> okay, like, hold on, hold on. Hold on. If you could just cure syphilis with a magical snap of your fingers. Press the digitation. We don't know they can do that. They can stitch your bones back together. <laughs> yeah. Halo, it can do a whole bunch of stuff. There's no reason why I couldn't expect for it to heal like teeth. Exactly I'm so- I'm my sorry, point. but if I'm a healer on any plane, I'm learning how to treat things like syphilis. Yeah, no, that, that's that's kind of my point. It's like, easy, you can easily imagine, oh, magic does it. But then when it comes to, like, food specifically, 
it's like a, a tripping point for a lot of people. magic does I it. think it's interesting it's like a it's just a as someone who like plans for disasters and all these different things it's like how, how do they treat their sewage magic again yeah i'm sure they have a magical sewage treatment plant you had you'd have to for a city like this but uh, so actually to be fair uh very specifically to nuka penna i actually don't think you need a sewage plant because you can just dump it out the city into the Phyrexian <laughs> wasteland outside the dome. Like, out of sight, out of mind. You don't need to deal with it. Just pollute. It's a wasteland already anyway. Yeah, they literally build buildings through the, the remains of other buildings. Like, you had a steel girder going through what seemed like an old church. Like, it, it would not surprise me if that's how they got rid of their sewage. But the, the, the actual answer is, uh, like, you've got magic druids, You've got these rooftop gardens and greenhouses all over the city that are growing year round and they have magic to enhance it. Like food, food isn't a problem. I, I just before we move on, I just need to address that one of you, I won't say who, suggested that on New Capena, you go to the doctor and you say, Doc, it burns when I pee. And the doc says, wow, that sucks. Do some halo about it. <laughs> That's fair, though. That's not actually what I said. I said, doctor snaps their fingers and cast a spell. No, and it wasn't it, you. Someone suggested you just drink me. Halo it, whenever I'm, you get I sick. I stand by what I said. <laughs> anyway, our next question is from a tired knock knock. Who's there? Uh, sorry, that that. There, uh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> there. This is actually a multi part question. Are there time zones on the planes? If so, how do planeswalkers keep track of which time they meant to? They want to meet someone. Is there something like an interplanar postal service? Or another way for planeswalkers to communicate across planes without planeswalking? Short answer, no. Uh, for uh, I'm sorry, for the first question, um, I don't think so. I, I think like the the first time that we ever that it's ever really acknowledged like the passage of time between someone leaving one plane and then coming back to be someone on the same on a, to meet someone at a certain time on another plane is Gideon um, when he was going back and forth between the Eldrazi and Ravnica. And I would assume that based on how he addressed that whole situation, that there's not really any kind of like time zones or differences in, in, in calendar day or whatnot. It's probably just a, uh, a storytelling thing. It, it's, it would make things overly complicated for a story that's already kind of complicated. So yeah, I, I don't think there's a way to do that. As far as the interplanar postal, postal service, Hey, the planner bridge is a thing. Otherwise, no, there's not anything like that. Same day shipping on your Phyrexian Praetors this week only. <laughs> so I, I, I do want to state it wasn't until 1929 that the majority of countries in the world uh, um, coordinated to the universal time, the, the, the current set of time zones. Uh, time zones are an incredibly recent invention in terms of human history. The overwhelming existence of our species has been without time zones. The multiverse doesn't need them. Yeah, you you, you don't really need them when uh, it takes forever to get from place to place. Like, it, it didn't really matter until you had airplanes where it's like, oh, I can actually get somewhere. Uh, it was in, uh, trains, in actually. Trains, uh, yeah. Train Trains are what started time zone usage in the United States. Uh, because suddenly you could go across the country in a couple days. Um, so you're saying that time zones are coming to New Capena very soon. No, because it's one city. 
So here's the reality. Time zones would make my life a living hell as the continuity editor, especially uh-huh. if you're jumping between planes. So I will do my damnedest to stop it from ever happening. So moving on. Uh, all right. Uh, so our next question comes from uh, Xanther. Are Capenin cephalids better or worse than Dominarian cephalids? They're better because they're not ugly as hell and they exist not... I hate the creation of cephalids in Odyssey Block because they were created... Odyssey Block was literally created with, hey, what if we do, each color has a tribe that we've, like, is weird and different, and that's a terrible reason to do, like, what if we just do something weird and wacky is terrible design, uh, and that decision looks even worse in retrospect when the tribal block happened after, um, and these new cephalids don't look dorky as shit yeah uh, <laughs> on top of that the old cephalids had the merfolk problem even worse in that they could not really go on land as efficiently as merfolk could like in odyssey block to even risk like they had to summon they had to create these little water bubbles to move around in and it was like at least ambassador loquatus could turn into a human shaped uh merfolk so he could walk around and do stuff but like it, it was it, it's it was awful for storytelling purposes as far as making them mobile and be able to interact with the rest of the magic universe. But yeah, the, the new Capenin, uh cephalids are much better for in almost every way. And I'm sure the, uh, the Odyssey block cephalids taste better just because they're they're probably better <laughs> they're, they're more like calamari yeah so so we did have a follow-up question from a celestial body on our discord which was which one tastes better and the answer is definitely uh dominarian yeah. cephalids uh i don't like seafood so neither. i love seafood and I, I i'm definitely going with the uh dominarian ones it's easier to eat them because they don't look like people too. Yep, and once you get them out of the water they can't do anything to you so yeah yeah jay knows it's really hard to eat uh people so <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that one. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> so our uh, our next question uh, comes from a live listener, uh, Kuyashi plays. Uh, is there a character in Magic we know nothing about except in the cards you'd like to to know more about? Chris, uh, th- yeah. Well, there's a whole bunch. Um, tons of Magic characters don't have any story to them. Uh, I'm going to choose to interpret this as a character in Magic who we know some story about, but we don't really have, like, a story or we don't have cards. Like, they're just not, like, a legendary character. Uh, And I'm going to choose the hero of the 10th Precinct, the the one who received the uh, Battlefield... uh, uh, whatchamacallit? Um, Battlefield promotion. The one that has like a cycle of cards yeah. where she's yeah. getting promoted and stuff. Yeah, I know Hero Precinct yeah. 1, right? Or not. Hero Precinct 1. There we go. Uh, 10th District Precinct 1. She, she's great. Real interesting character. I love that they gave her a whole cycle of cards. I'd love to see more. That's, uh, that's my answer. My answer to this, uh, because I get to be selfish, uh, is a flavor text character from Strixhaven, uh, Kremek, Mage Tower commentator. Uh, this is not a character that was in the uh, World Guide. This is a character I created. Uh, we had a whole bunch of cards that um, you know were set in Mage Tower, and I'm like, look, if we're doing the college sports things, like we have to have a commentator. Uh, named character, and so I had, uh, the the team had written a whole bunch of flavor text, and, and so a big play in charge through have flavor text for this character. I have a lot of concepts of who they are uh, and what they're about, so, uh, you know, hey, everyone at Watsy, 
Premek ever actually gets a card, I would love to uh, have some input on what that card is, because I have a lot of ideas about uh, the character. Uh, I, th- I think they're great. I would love to see more of them. Uh, we, our next question is from Seal again. Are there still plans for Ashok to return in the future? Also, since no new narrative has actually been written for the character, did you like to campaign for an active decision to let the Planeswalker not use pronouns? I will answer the first part with, uh, I, based on the assumed ending that we got from the description, basically after, uh, Return of Theros came out, oh my god, why am I saying Return of Theros? Uh, Theros Beyond Death came out, we got a summary of the story that was supposed to happen, but we didn't get the full story, obviously. Um, but they did say that Ashok was kind of pleased with what happened. Ashok saw the, the nightmares that Elspeth had about Virexians. Ashok decided that Ashok wanted to look into what they were, and we kind of get the impression that Ashok was going to go look for these Phyrexians and possibly interact with them. So I would assume when we get this full-blown Phyrexian uh, uh, conflict with the Gatewatch and hopefully Koth and Karn and all these Praetors, I assume we might get you know, sh- hashtag, the yeah, hashtag Koth Watch. Watch. Um, <laughs> I assume that we're going to get an Ashok card in one of the sets surrounding that. I would not be surprised if uh, Ashok gets Phyrexianized, but maybe I, maybe Ashok's a little bit too cunning to get caught in the web. Um, as far as uh, let, let me sure. let me just answer that that part. Yeah. Uh, so are there still plans for Ashiok in the future? I mean, I can't speculate, but as much as any planeswalker is going to be used again, eventually, if enough time passes, yes, Ashiok will come back. Uh, but the other part of the question is also, since no new narrative has been written for the character, is it too late to campaign for an active decision to let the planeswalker not use pronouns? So what I will say is during the new Capenna world building uh, I used the pronoun they for Ashiok, and I was not, that was not an error. Uh, so I would expect to hear that again, rather than no pronouns for Ashiok. Uh, and so uh, we have one more question for the night. Uh, another question from Kiyoshi Plays. Um, it is, uh, why should listeners become patrons of the Vorthos cast on Patreon? What a great question. Fucking outstanding! Quite best question of the night. Um, There's our R rating right there. <laughs> oh, I have <laughs> dropped multiple swears. By the way, uh, we we were probably pushing it already. Um, <laughs> uh, also, this is not a rated program. I know this I'm is the kidding. unrated. All two hundred episodes are fully unrated by any agency. Anyway, uh, Patreon. So. So you can go to patreon.com slash the Vorthos cast and uh, help support our show today. Uh, and why should you become a patron of the Vorthos cast? Well, I'll tell you, we have a wonderful Discord server, which I mentioned earlier, and now is the part where it comes back, where Vorthoses from around the world are loving New Capenna preview season. Uh, we've read all the stories. There's been lots of discussion. Uh, we're we're getting the. Uh, I guess I guess by the time this episode's out, we'll have the full card gallery and be heading into commander previews. People are going to start spewing deck building ideas. We're all watching Moon Knight. Uh, and is there another show where a bunch of us are watching? I forget. No, none of us uh, are watching Halo because that is 
a television show. I heard they show Master Chief's ass, so I might be watching. <laughs> oh, that oh, is no, no, true. Tell me more. Tell Honestly, me more. that's probably the thing that could get me to poke my head into an episode. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a it's a wonderful community full of uh, wonderful folks from around the world, and we would love for you to be a part of that. Uh, one of the perks is that uh, it's very easy to ask us questions uh, during these kinds of mailbag events. And uh, we also have a live listener tier on Patreon. So there are a bunch of folks in our Discord server right now listening to us jabber on and on and on for what is an episode that is longer than we wanted it to be. Uh, and uh, at that all goes, this is the part where I sneak in the line. It's like, yes, I know there were a lot more questions asked. We're saving them for a future mailbag episode because we do these every now and then. Don't worry if we didn't answer your question tonight. We'll get to them by episode 300. Yeah. No promises on that. But. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's a little lofty of a goal there. But yeah, it's it's a it's a great place with a lot of wonderful people. And we super duper appreciate all our patrons. Thank you all like, for. So this is episode 200. Like y'all yeah. have been here supporting the show. 200 episodes. This is an impressive feat. And we wouldn't be here without without all our folks. I'm just amazed when people said, I went back to your first episode and listened to the whole thing. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Why would you do that? I'm so- <laughs> that was two genders ago. Come on. <laughs> all right. Thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos Cast.